0: This message is a recording from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space to practice the ways of Jesus together as the multi ethnic family of God. Good evening. My name is Erin Dooley, and uh, my pronouns are she, her. And I'd like to begin tonight with a land acknowledgement to honor the native people that existed here before us. I honor the first peoples of current day downtown Phoenix, the Thawna'a Otham Nation. In the words of Lisa Sharon Harper, they were and are here. We see you, we honor you, and we thank you for laying foundations of harmony, balance, truth, and honor. Thank you for stewarding the land where Creator settled your people, We bless you, we bless your elders, past, present, and emerging. Our passage tonight is John 14, 1 through 14. But before we read it, let's recap a little bit about what happened prior to Jesus' encounter with the disciples. Elizabeth Johnson reminds us that the setting is Jesus' farewell address at his last supper with his disciples. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. And has explained to them what this means. He has foretold his betrayal by Judas. And Judas has slipped out into the night. He has told his disciples that he will be with them only a little while longer. And that where he is going, they cannot come. He has also foretold Peter's imminent denial. So the disciples are troubled. Their beloved teacher is leaving them. One of their own has turned against them, and the reliable leader among the disciples is said to be on the cusp of great failure of loyalty. It is as though the ground is shifting beneath their feet. I don't know about you, but I also feel like the ground is shaking beneath my feet. Every single week, there is another mass shooting. There have been more mass shootings this year alone than there have been days. And I often ask, when will the violence stop? When will the church stop pretending like this is happening somewhere else to somebody else? Instead of understanding that it is all connected and we are all connected to each other. I am tired of hearing about gun violence. It makes me feel weary and sometimes scared, if I'm honest. But the life that Jesus lived is the life that he prepared for me to live also. I just want to know if it works. Does a life of nonviolent resistance actually work? So let's pick it up in John 14. Jesus comforts his disciples. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Then Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Then Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Then Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Very truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let's pray together and ask the Spirit to speak to us as we reflect on this passage tonight. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we know that you are with us. And you have said to us, let our hearts not be troubled. Would you show us as we reflect on this passage, as you comfort the disciples and answer their questions, would you help us see ourselves in the story and help us follow you again and again, one foot right in front of the other? Amen. So Jesus responds to the anxiety of his disciples by saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So Jesus calls them back to this fundamental relationship of trust and assures them that he is not abandoning them. Rather, he is returning to the Father, which is good news for them. In speaking of his ascension to the Father, Jesus assures his disciples that this is also their destination. There are many dwellings in his Father's house, and he goes to prepare a place for them so that they will be with him and dwell with him in his intimate relationship with the Father. I want to talk to us tonight about a life lived is a life prepared. A life lived is a life prepared. Have you ever planned a trip with friends, family, or a group of people and a couple of others decide to go ahead of everyone else? Maybe they're gonna check in to the hotel or make sure the Airbnb is good or make sure the park has a spot for people to lay their blankets down or make sure the space is ready so that everybody has a seat or that there's a table for everyone to eat or a place for everyone to be. When we do this, We go ahead of everyone else for the sole purpose of creating space for everyone else to be. What is unique about the life and ministry of Jesus is that this place that he has prepared for his disciples is not a physical place, but a spiritual one. He has taught them nonviolent resistance to oppression that they might also live that way. Walter Wink, an American biblical scholar, theologian, and activist who passed away in 2012 famously summarizes what Jesus taught his disciples. I want you to pay attention to the language he uses to describe these lessons. Jesus taught his disciples to seize the moral initiative, to find a creative alternative to violence, to assert their own humanity and dignity as a person, to meet force with ridicule or humor, to break the cycle of humiliation, to refuse to submit to or accept the inferior position. Jesus taught them how to expose the injustice of a system, to take control of the power dynamic, to shame the oppressor into repentance, to stand their ground. Jesus taught his disciples to force those in power to make decisions for which they have not prepared, to recognize their own power as disciples, to be willing to suffer rather than retaliate. He taught them to force the oppressor to see them in a new light, to deprive the oppressor of a situation in which a show of force is necessary or effective. Jesus taught them to be willing to undergo the penalty for breaking unjust laws. He taught them to die to fear of the old order and its rules and he taught them to seek the oppressor's transformation somebody say amen this is the life Jesus lived and this is the place Jesus prepared for them to live as well the disciples have been with Jesus have walked with Jesus, have been taught by Jesus, have eaten with Jesus, have lived with Jesus. They watched him be publicly shamed and crucified and now his bruised body has risen and he stands before them preparing them for his departure. Are we not also disciples of Jesus even now? And are these not the life lessons Jesus is also teaching us? Take a deep breath as that settles in. (sighs) Tai Chi. Tai Chi is something Kendall and I practice once a week in martial arts. Tai Chi is a practice that involves a series of slow, gentle movements and physical postures. It's a meditative state of mind and controlled breathing. Behind me is a video of a group of Chinese people practicing Tai Chi. I just want you to have this visual of slow movement, this meditative state of mind and controlled breathing. Qi is defined as the vital life force or energy that runs through all living beings. What some may call the spirit, others may call qi or energy. When I am practicing Tai Chi, I literally feel like I am praying with my body. I am becoming more mindful of my own energy and life source. I am meditating on who I am and who I want to be in the world. It is said that healing can only happen in a state of rest when chi or energy flows freely and is settled. When we do movement practices like Tai Chi, it encourages our vital energy to circulate through our entire body. And this free flow of energy can eventually learn to settle or gather in our lower abdomen, which is the seat and reserve of our chi. This in turn activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the place where all of repairing, all healing, and all growing takes place in our bodies. Now, with all of that being said, I'd like to propose an idea that's a little outside the box. What if Jesus did Tai Chi? What if all the time that Jesus spent slipping away to pray was his form of meditation? Emptying himself, centering himself, cleansing his energy and developing his center. What if the spirit that he used to heal and to make whole was a disciplined chi? Now I am not the first to think of such a thought. In fact, my husband was in middle school when he wrote a paper on it. And I could not find the paper, otherwise I would quote it for you. But I did find a few thoughts from Father Vincent Pizzuto from St. Columba's Episcopal Church. He said this, And so we see in the end, even Jesus proves himself to be a master of Tai Chi. Not by skirting or avoiding death, but by moving through death. He chooses powerlessness over the gratification and satisfaction of quick fixes, instant cures and military victory. He sees the short-lived nature of the accolades he accolades he had earlier evoked in others. The hosannas and praises completely abandoned once the moment had passed, once he failed to conform to their own expectations of what a messiah should be. Messiahship is not about kung fu which is more of a forceful quick movement but tai chi it is about the slow patient gradual movement toward balance and harmony it's about the peaceful transition from power over to servant leadership It is learning to breathe deeply with those we are called to serve, to heal and to transfigure, to be present in and through death experiences, not merely skirt or avoid them. With every mass shooting, we can breathe through it. We can remind ourselves of the presence of Jesus with us at every moment and recenter ourselves on the lessons of nonviolent resistance that Jesus has taught us and is still teaching us. These are the movements that heal, that save, that redeem, that transfigure. Indeed, most miracles happen not with the speed of lightning and thunderous epiphanies. No, most miracles unfold in slow motion loving movements of tenderness, imperceptibly kind acts with gentle and full breaths and, yes, deep bows. May the God who is even now transforming you ever more so into the body of Christ awaken you to the beauty of a life lived in slow motion. The words of Elizabeth Johnson guide us again as we revisit John 14. A life lived is a life prepared. Jesus tells his disciples that they know the way to the place where he is going. Thomas, like most characters in the Gospels, takes Jesus quite literally. He wants directions, a literal road map to this place. And Jesus responds by saying that he himself is the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, unfortunately, this verse has often been used as a trump card or, worse, as a threat to tell people that they better get with the program and accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior in order to be saved. But to interpret the verse this way is to rip it from its context and to do violence to the spirit of Jesus' words. Because this statement by Jesus is actually a promise, a word of comfort to his disciples. Because Jesus himself, the Torah in the flesh, the Torah living and breathing and walking among them is all that they need to show them the way. There is no need to panic, no need to search desperately for a secret map. And Jesus then adds, if you know me, you will know my father also. The conditional phrase in Greek is actually a condition of fact, meaning if you know me, and you do, you will know my Father also. So that there can be no misunderstanding, Jesus then adds, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is the whole of Jesus' mission, to make known the Father, to reveal who God is. So if we want to know who the great spirit is, who who our creator is, we need to look no further than Jesus. For all the words that Jesus has spoken, all the works that he has done come from our creator and show us who they are. Harriet Tubman, with her last breath, also quoted these same words from Jesus. On her deathbed, she said, I go away to prepare a place for you, and where I am, ye may be also. Born into slavery as Aramita Ross on the eastern shore of Maryland, Tubman was hired out to various masters who proved to be particularly cruel and abusive to her as a child. As a result of a head injury caused by one of these men, she suffered from seizures and had visions for the rest of her life, and she believed that these visions were actually from God. In 1849, Tudman became seriously ill with complications from her head injury, and her owner decided to sell her but could not find a buyer. After her owner's sudden death, the family began selling off all the slaves, Not wanting to have her family separated, Harriet was determined to escape. A first attempt in which Harriet was accompanied by her brothers was aborted when they had second thoughts. Harriet decided to try again on her own and she escaped via the Underground Railroad to Pennsylvania. Over the course of 11 years, Harriet rescued over 70 slaves from Maryland and assisted 50 or 60 others in making their way to Canada. During this time, her reputation in the abolitionist community grew, and she became acquainted with Frederick Douglass and John Brown. She also moved her base of operations to Auburn, New York, closer to the Canadian border. Harriet conducted her last rescue mission in November of 1861 as the Civil War enveloped the nation. A black woman and slave was abused and injured. Her head injury became a pathway to hear and see God. And she used what she saw to free herself and then to free others. Harriet went ahead of them and prepared a place for them. She did so in spirit and mind and in body. She embodied for her community a new place they could live and prepared that place for those coming after her. As the band comes up, I'll conclude with this. I know tonight was a unique message for sure. We're talking about Tai Chi, Harriet Tubman, Jesus, John 14. It's it's a lot. But all of these things that seem random on paper they actually have something deeply in common. They all teach us how to live a life of nonviolent resistance. As the band plays, let's, let's pray together about these things. And I want to guide us through a prayer practice together. Just imagine yourself and put yourself in the story once again. As a follower and disciple of Jesus, even now, remind yourself of the things that Jesus has taught you. Put yourself even in the story of Harriet Tubman. As she lies on her deathbed, she says to you, I go away to prepare a place for you. And where I am, ye may be also as she quotes the words of her Savior. You've walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, eaten with Jesus, lived with Jesus. And imagine maybe in Harriet's story, you've grown up with her. You watched her be abused and mistreated. You were with her when she received the head injury and the consistent visions from God. And imagine Jesus and Harriet, who followed Jesus, now teaching you. Teaching you to seize the moral initiative. Teaching you to find creative alternatives to violence. Teaching you to assert your own humanity and dignity as a person. They're teaching you how to meet force with ridicule or humor how to break the cycle of humiliation, how to shame the oppressor into repentance, how to stand your ground, to recognize your own power, to be willing to suffer rather than retaliate, to force oppressors to see you in a new light, They've taught you to be willing to undergo the penalty for breaking unjust laws. They've taught you to die to fear of the old order and its rules. And they've taught you to seek your oppressor's transformation. So now it's your turn to walk in the life that they have prepared for you. And imagine Jesus and Harriet saying to you, this is the way. This is the life that has been prepared for you by those that have gone ahead of you. It's your turn to follow Jesus and those who have followed him before you. So in this moment, ask Jesus, what else does he want you to know? What else does he want you to do? Peace, bring it all to peace surrounding me let it break at your name still call the sea to still the raging me to still every way at your name For more information about Kaleo visit kaleophx.com or follow us on social media Kaleo PHX.